1: Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries. And creating curious cocktails inspired by the Tales of tell. And it's episode 122. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Is Yes, it is. Many, many episodes have been done and will be done.
2: 121, in fact.
1: Yes. (laughs) That's a big number. Makes a girl think.
2: Does it? (laughs) <laughs> Does it really struggle going past 121
1: oh i struggle with numbers constantly okay oh i'm numerically dyslexic nah just a bit thick nah <laughs> <laughs> others maybe be just, just can't count <laughs> the numbers they they trouble me how are you nick i'm
2: buying you an abacus for your birthday oh good <laughs> there we go
1: what's an abacus <laughs> Problem i solved. don't understand the clickety clackety clickety clackety <laughs> which <laughs> how are you nick though? i'm all right it's still holiday Woo-hoo. oh you are on holiday so Holidays. if anyone hasn't heard across the universe nick has a week off. He has the place to himself. I'm doing nothing. And he's loving it! Mm -hmm. Bloody marvellous. There's nothing quite like a holiday just at home where you're beholden to no one. Exactly. There's no pressure to do anything or go anywhere until I come hammering on your door and say, do a
2: podcast. Until that becomes, But (laughs) until then,
1: it's great. How is the day drinking going?
2: Uh, It's actually pretty good so far. This is the first drink I've had all day.
1: You're not doing holidays right. I had
2: a cider at lunchtime yesterday. That was it. That's all I drank yesterday.
1: I'm drunk right now.
2: Yeah, you're always drunk.
1: Uh, I've been working. (laughs) It did not
2: go well. mm, That's (laughs) just you though. But no, I've been very restrained, I feel.
1: Okay. Well, well, in your relaxed state, any poisonings this week? No,
2: far too relaxed for such oh, things. I yes. can't mean that involves planning and shovels and all sorts of things. So I can't, <laughs> just can't be doing that.
1: There needs to be some sort of system of sort of window-based hurling of poison and see yeah. what happens. Well, the potential
2: was I could open my front windows and just sort of set up some sort of like uh, Mrs. Lovett pie shop. In the, in the window full of poisoned pies <laughs> that could have been interesting um, a, a, a disturbing as well disturbing but also that involves a lot of effort
1: wonderful I look forward to Nick's Pie Shop so you, as a small subsidiary of the finishing school
2: yeah always have always. ideas sound great you have all these grain plans but then there's like oh I've got to do stuff <laughs> if I have to do that thing then I'm going to have to move possibly going to have to stand up
1: very hard life it is
2: a hard life so then you know
1: to be fair, though, your, your plans for a finishing school and a Mrs. Lovett-style pie shop are, are much more ambitious than the rest of us. This is, this
2: is perhaps where I'm going wrong.
1: I plan to get cheese. That's, <laughs> so, that's, that's, that's yeah, mainly the extent I think, I, think
2: I need to limit, limit the ambitions.
1: Well, speaking of being entrepreneurial in a very dark way and drinking during the day, I Mm. think it's time for us to thank our delicious new Patreon subscribers.
2: Absolutely. And I do hope they have some lovely day drinks on the go. Mm. We must say thank you a lot for joining us to to Catherine Cotton Bitteridge.
1: Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you very much this week. And thank you to everyone who has resubscribed, updating their Patreon. We've had a few back with Mm. us and also who have upgraded to Cyanide Connoisseurs for extra episodes every month and fabulous, fabulous cocktails. We love you. You're very, very sexy. It is. It's very difficult to to, to deal with at times just how sexy our Patreons are. It is
2: blindingly so sometimes.
1: It is. We also have a shout out this week from one of our darling, darling Patreon subscribers. This is a shout out for Nicola, who has messaged us on Patreon. So Nicola and her family have had a very, very tough few weeks. Her niece, Scout, has been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, going through some great care. But her and her five-year-old niece, Adeline, they both are massive fans of the show. They have actually gotten very used to listening to The poisonous Cabinet to the extent that the five-year-old, and I worry for them, has been telling their husband all about us two, talking (laughs) about what we say, occasionally we'll shake up a storm nice with whatever she's playing with excellent both been listening religiously through a very very difficult time we just want to say that both of you are so brave you are so loved by your family and you're so loved by us you are not the greatest poison of them
2: all <laughs> how kind you are
1: so thank you both for being huge fans of the show thank you to nicola and we look forward to bringing you even more episodes in the future well nick are you ready uh, Yeah, i believe so To drink cocktails and talk about poison. Mm, That's a good opportunity to do so. Or you drink poison and talk about cocktails.
0: It is
2: an equally good opportunity to do that.
1: On your holiday? Well,
2: this is true. This is very true. (laughs) You go out with a bang. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Should we go with the first one?
2: I feel feel holiday cocktails are appropriate.
1: Oh, good. Let's go with the first one. Hooray! 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 And also, holiday cocktails. Now you've just got Club Tropicana playing in my head. Now <laughs> i like, Ooh, are we gonna have some tiki drinks? Are we gonna have some drinks by the pool? No. Yeah,
2: my my great expansive pool that I have out there. In, exactly. In
1: the... It's overlooked by the magical veranda. <laughs> okay, should we go with the first one? Let's go with the first one. Yay! Hooray! 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 It is my story this week, but we can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand, as you know, dear listeners. Every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell and it will flavor our cocktail of the week so my story my pick this week and this week's secret ingredient nick is mm. lettuce
2: classic classic cocktail ingredient
1: it's not just because i'm healthy eating at the moment <laughs> and it permeates my brain mm. lettuce lettuce nick yeah for a cocktail Mm. you don't make
2: these things easy has to be said
1: now I gave you two other options yeah which are equally shite no 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 no. I still insist that things could have been done really but they, l- they
2: could have been done but you would have moaned you're going to moan at this
1: no, I'm sure I will <laughs> this is the challenge that I give you dear yeah
2: absolutely it's getting more and more difficult each week
1: <laughs> but lettuce what have you well, come
2: up I mean, with to be honest these days it's more of a word association game that I'm playing really <laughs> <laughs> to, to try and to okay. try and find out a cocktail that is appropriate now unsurprisingly there's not that many lettuce-y cocktails yes there's I did th- they think we, we I got some celery bitters I thought that's sort of lettuce adjacent
1: that's not uh, lettuce well exactly well it's a salad is it it's a, salad. but it's a
2: salad-y thing is a celery or lettuce? Ooh.
1: No, <laughs> no, no! it's not. I knew that. I knew that.
2: It's salad adjacent.
1: So you're wandering into lettuce. That's been salad. And salad is on the side of a steak. And steak you sometimes have with red wine. There we go.
2: Damn. <laughs> I knew I missed a trick. So what I have, I found an interesting one. Oh, God. Interesting one when having an iceberg.
1: <gasps> okay. Okay. That I don't mind at all. Are you happy with that one? I'm happy with that word association because it's <laughs> iceberg lettuce oh my god that terrible terrible lettuce that we buy and it rots at the bottom of your crisper
2: it, it could exactly it could have been fridge uh, <laughs> as, an, as an ingredient Ooh. from the molten lettuce that is in the back of my fridge oh, god. Um, <laughs> but i decided against that
1: i mean if you are a child of the of the 80s let's face it <laughs> there was no rocket that you could just buy no. a watercress or spinach even was, was a, no, a commodity a, that a was dealt on street corners. No, all yeah, had as options for lettuce was the iceberg lettuce and then it just went brown <laughs> and you had to peel away to the good stuff if you ever wanted a salad. The good posh. stuff is... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, an iceberg. Not heard of it, but I am ready for a cocktail. I'm glad. I think it is high time for us to sail towards the poisonous (laughs) cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. (sighs) And we're back. Hello. Well, Nick, an ice. Berg, you mm. say now I heard noises in the kitchen.
2: <laughs> Did you? I apologize.
1: I frequently hear noises from you. Mainly, you going. Oh God! Oh God! Why? Why? My eyes. Frequently. But I heard a blendy sound. A blendy sound. A blendy sound. And the concoction in front of us does look blended. Yep. Uh, it looks a little bit like a spatcho. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Does that have iceberg <laughs> in
2: it? Does that have letters in it?
1: Well, it does have a bit. of Well, there of we go. So it, there we go. It, yeah, it could well be. Oh, okay. It's slushy and. Kind of a, a salmon pink colour. Is there salmon in this? There's
2: salmon and salad. Oh, God. It's going to be a delight.
1: <laughs> we don't often have a blended drink. No.
2: I think potentially the first time ever.
1: Yeah, I don't think we've done it. No, we no, I mean, must have.
2: I'm not have generally we? a fan of the blended drinks. So we've done, we've done yeah. a few with like, crushed ice. But
1: yes. an actual
2: blendy, blendy one. I don't Ooh, know if we have.
1: Blendy, blendy. It is a hot day. Yeah. So let's dive in. Mm. Okay. I'm scared. Merry right. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Not blended enough. It's got big, big, <laughs> big chunks of ice in there. <laughs> so. Hmm.
1: Okay. What's um interesting ish? hang on. Filtering out the ice here. It's very cold and refreshing. It's got okay. <laughs> it's got flavour. Oh, good. I'm glad. Not a lot of it. Harsh. I'm going to be honest here. Yeah. <laughs> um. I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> It's not It's not your finest work. <laughs> Harsh. Uh, but did you invent it? No. Oh, thank well, God. I did not. Right. Okay, well, then then it's fine. <laughs> you want but the vessel. Um, mm, I, I, yeah. uh, well, what do you think? I mean, yeah,
2: I'm, I'm not a huge fan, to be honest. One of the ingredients I did have to slightly make up. <laughs>
1: um. <laughs> All right. We don't have any vodka, so I've used mustard. Well, with, with similar things.
2: But I didn't have, didn't have the precise ingredient. It's so, it's got
1: an interesting taste to it. It's um, just sort of it's it's one of those that goes taste then nothing.
2: I'm glad I'm, I've slaved all day pain. over this.
1: Have you? Yes. Really? Oh God, I'm sorry. No, you're not. Um, no. no. You knew what this was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk us through it. What what should be happening? And i well, I don't
2: know. This, as far as I know, this I've never <laughs> had one before, so I can't I can't tell you. Um okay. <laughs> So, tequila. There's tequila, okay. There's some lemon juice, and then two new things.
1: Two new things. Two new things. Two new things.
2: One of which I spent hours slaving over. Really? Yeah. What is it? I made. Now I'm not sure how the pronunciation of this. So I've heard it different ways. Orgeat syrup. The
1: who, the who, the I have made.
2: It's O-R-G-E-A-T. Now I've heard some people pronounce it Orge um, or Orge. Yeah, or Orgeat. 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 Or, oh. or get there's those different pronunciations. I'm not sure. It is a nut syrup.
1: Ooh, okay. So, I like nuts.
2: So this has been made with almond.
1: Yes, mate. which is
2: the traditional sort of almond syrup. But you can also make it with uh, pistachio or hazels or macadamia nuts or any sorts of nuts really. Wow. But it is a nut infused syrup and generally put with either rose water or orange blossom water okay now i hate rose water so i use orange blossom water so basically you get some sugar and you get some water and you make a syrup and then you chuck a load of ground all in this case ground almonds Mm. um in until you get like a wallpaper paste Mm -hmm. and then you leave that to infuse for five or six hours or whatever and then strain it through some muslin into a bottle and then put some rose water and put a bit of vodka just like a half an ounce of vodka because it helps just keep it to keep, keep it, keep it a, a bit longer in the fridge orange blossom you and a bit of yeah, oil, a teaspoon um, of orange blossom water and it's you strangely mentioned tiki cocktails because it is used in a huge amount of tiki cocktails
1: <laughs> um <laughs> use um, syrup i see a lot of almond syrup being referred <clears throat> to in those sorts of things so um, you've got the orgeat syrup and what was the other and
2: thing? then there's an the other thing is what i don't have is a, an ingredient called underberg. <laughs> which I think is where the ice the iceberg reference comes to in this, which is a German digestif, basically. Okay. So you know, like the the chartreuse, the elixir vegetal we had, oh, the, 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 yeah, the the really the uber, uber uber strong one. This is much the same, but a German version of it. Okay. Um, and you actually buy it in little twenty centiliter bottles. Wow. And you're meant to like break the cap off and knock it back in one like after a meal a thousand different herbs and all this sort of stuff <laughs> and it's been going since like 17 something or other and okay. and people have started using it because it is such an intense flavoring using it in cocktails so this has this um underberg stuff in which I unfortunately i wasn't able to get my hands on in time for the episode but looking online the sort of the flavor profile of that is a bit jaegery so but not quite as sweet as jaeger mm. so i actually made a jaeger angostura bitter mix yeah really try and get the bitterness that I think is in there and there's sort of more the sort of complex herbaliness from the Jacobmeister. So I made my own book. If it's anything like it, I have no idea.
1: An experiment by Nick. Experiment.
2: Um, and then you're all in there and then blendy, blendy, blend.
1: And blendy, blendy, blend. First time we blended, blendy, blendy, blend. Yeah. To your credit, Nick, there is that aftertaste. This is not the sort of cocktail that we're used to because it is blended. We're used to a lot of spirit forward drinks we're used to a lot of shaken drinks stir drinks with the ice it does dull the senses i guess a little you say it's, it's growing on me too because i've had a few more sips you've said the jaeger and it's not just because you've said it there was that slightly <laughs> herbally medicinal taste there i will confess i can't obviously taste the nut syrup no no but I then can't. again every single cocktail that i've had that references is mm. that i don't go oh nuts yeah. galore so maybe it's giving something in the background. Yeah,
2: the one I've made—I I've, mean, I've got like a bottle of it that I mm. made today. It's not overly almondy. No. I think I think I should. I'm probably if I do it again, which I think I might experiment. Mm. Might toast me almonds first before I uh, grind them.
1: You could do yeah.
2: Because um, when people talk about it, they say it's like marzipan in a bottle type mm. thing which this which what i've made isn't
1: use an almond essence so. if you're not going to get the real thing then maybe use a use the essence of it because then you've got a little bit of the concentrated flavor along so. with the almonds in there we
2: shall see if i make it again i may well I do it differently
1: but it, uh, you're uh, right. it grows it's on you, not, not it? it's not horrendous by any means mm. The problem with frozen cocktails is that this isn't badly blended at all. It's got a few more shards in it than than normal. But even a frozen cocktail, you have to take slowly because you're like, oh, my teeth. (laughs) It's really not bad because on a hot day, actually, it's grown on me me right down. Absolutely, and it's not overly sweet. When you usually Mm. get a blended slushy-style drink, it's full of sugar and sweet things, and you're like, "Eh, you know, no, this is um, no, that's grown on me. Interesting. I don't know if I'd make it again, mm. but it's made me think more frozen-y cocktails. More slushy cocktails. More slushies. Well, with our icebergs in hand, yes. juggling it from hand to hand, obviously, yep. so we don't get freezer burn. Would you like a story, name? I think so. Mm. I've always no. I was, I was,
2: I was finished mine, so.
1: Uh, well, actually, now you've <laughs> not nearly finished your cocktail. I fear that you might, for this story, want a a more spirit-forward drink. Oh, okay. A more... Punchy, oldie worldy sort, sort of drink. Yes, because of where we're going okay. this week. Nick. Should I
2: sit in a leather chair by the fire?
1: Oh, I think you'll want to. <laughs> because Nick, we are investigating a murder in uh, perhaps an unlikely place for murder most foul. Okay. Yes, we're off to America. Okay. To the great state of Massachusetts.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Where a crime has been committed. Oh. At Harvard University. Oh, how
2: you fancy. <gasps> Surely such things do not occur in such educated
1: establishments. Indeed, in the hallowed house of learning. Now, over the years, Harvard has had a few brushes with death. (laughs) Maybe more than have ever been reported if the conspiracy theorists are Mm. right. We must acknowledge uh, anyone who's sort of jumping up and down right now. The terribly sad and very well documented case of Jane Britton, who was a student in 1969, was a murder that occurred on campus, unsolved, as it were. Lots of theories. Possibly a story for Patreon in the future. It's not. It's not a particularly jolly one, no. but it's. Uh, it's a big one. But it's not that. It's not not that, that. Not that one. Yeah. It's also worth noting. I'm going to go off on a tangent here slightly, Surely because not. of <laughs> because of the nature of this job, where you're googling and you're looking up stuff. The Serial killer, technically serial killer, the Unabomber, went to Harvard University. He's an alumni, uh, taught at very uh, prestigious universities before killing people. That's not Harvard's fault, I fear. Though the (laughs) the reason I bring it up is that doing the research around this particular case that we're covering, you Google certain search terms and one came up. Someone at some point typed in, do serial killers go to college?
2: (laughs) To learn their skills. (laughs) possibly
1: who was looking for the qualification (laughs) for serial killers what training is that person after
2: like the Hogwarts are (laughs) murderers
1: an owl was sent it did not come back in a good piece
2: the
1: University of Serial Killers a fine establishment (laughs) hallowed in biology and very good in athletics not so much in socioeconomics but no 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 we're not going to the University of Serial Killers okay we're not in the 60s at Harvard no we're heading back 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 to another famous murder case associated with Harvard University back to 1849, Nick. Oh! And we're going to try and find out what on earth has happened to Dr. George Parkman. What has happened to Dr. George Parkman? Of Harvard Medical School. Now, Harvard obviously needs no introduction no matter what side of the pond you sit on. It is the oldest university in the USA, certainly one of the most distinguished and prestigious universities in the world. And how do you get to Harvard, Nick? Money. <laughs> money helps i feel money lots and lots of money people of course of course anyone hoping to learn there needs to have very good grades needs to have lots of extracurricular activities on their list when they go into the interview panel but let's face it you're far more to be a shoo-in if mummy and daddy teach there or are a legacy and have a massive massive wallet no dispersions to anyone who attended harvard who is a student there right now good on you it's a fantastic (laughs) university but certainly at the time this prestigious seat of learning is all about the money money talks around here so if being wealthy is a big plus for students at the time as in you'll get in mm. imagine how important it is for teachers and people associated with oh. the university mm. have they got to have
2: cash too they don't buy their jobs surely
1: they may not buy their jobs but if you are going to be teaching the cream of the crop yes and you were in boston you're also going to need to be the finest of the fine well yes indeed and you're going to need to be able to associate people with bags and bags of cash this
2: is Mm. true
1: you are expected to be elite in their class and the elite of boston or at least be able to rub shoulders with them and our missing man dr george Packman, was not a teacher at harvard i'll come on to why he's connected there he was an elite of boston An ex-alumni of Harvard, he was the medical school's largest donor. Now, born in 1790, George Pacman was known as one of the Boston Brahmin or the Boston elite. These are the exceedingly wealthy, (laughs) wealthy, wealthy upper class families would date back to a founded Boston and all of New England. They are very particular in keeping their English roots alive. So you've got a lot of English-based surnames. <laughs> very much playing the role of the English gentleman mm. and lady. Very, very terribly cultured and philanthropic. So the Boston Lee are pretty damn powerful at the time and the Parkmans were one of Boston's richest families George Parkman's parents were landowners there, he started at Harvard University when he was 15 years old but that was normal back in in the day
2: back Back in the day
1: he studied medicine there, he also went to the University of Aberdeen. Parkman would later travel and study in France, being very interested in the treatment for mental illness, he was interested in asylums and how they can treat their patients and, and sort of better foundations and facilities for asylums he served in the war of 1812 as well as a surgeon later went on to push for more comfortable conditions in mental institutions and asylums in america opened up his home to patients during cholera and smallpox epidemics this is a very very wealthy family a very very wealthy connected man who is using his skills his education and his wealth to be very philanthropic Through the community. Good for him. Yes. He eventually would take over his family's estate of properties, taking on from his father after he passed away. So you can imagine the wealth there. Mm. Uh, Equivalent of about $12 million in today's money. So all of that estates. And that's still madness back then. Huge. He sold the land. His family sold the land. That would be the base for the Harvard Medical School. And so he was one of the largest donors of the school. So he was very connected to that area. George Batman was described as tall and lean... With a protruding chin. Oh, okay. And he always wore a stovepipe hat. Nice. He was described by someone at the time. He abstained while others indulged. He walked while others rode. He worked while others slept.
2: How dull. <laughs> <laughs> God, he sounds like you.
1: <laughs> what, Come on. Everywhere? We can walk there.
2: No, we can't. It's miles.
1: I'll only walk there if there's gin at the end of it. I want a reward. On the 23rd of November, Nick, Mm. 1849, Dr. George Parkman went to a grocery store and he bought up a quantity of sugar and butter for delivery to his house thanksgiving is coming up okay a hearty hearty meal is in the world. sounds like a fancy
2: cake has got planned
1: a big cake yes or yeah. the family just ate butter and sugar to show their <laughs> fabulous wealth they were not well people
2: <laughs> he's yes he's modeling the children in icing <laughs> <laughs> <our> thanksgiving traditions <laughs>
1: There will be no diorama, just the children with diabetes. What a delicious dinner must have been in store. Before he left, he turned to the grocer there and he said, can I leave a bag here? Can I leave a bag at the shop? I'm going to collect it later. I don't want to be carrying this around. And the grocer agreed. And inside the bag was a head of lettuce.
2: (laughs) Oh, I thought it was going to be a head.
1: (laughs) It would have been a great start to the story. Yeah.
2: Just left a head in a bag and a grocer's
1: very, very Simpsons <laughs> reference. A human head, Schumann's head of lettuce. Yes, mm. he left the head of lettuce <laughs> there with the grocer, and the grocer went about his business. Obviously, seeing other customers and waited, and waited, and waited. But Doctor Partman never returned for his lettuce. For the lettuce, not for the lettuce. Now, this may sound a little odd, but not too odd. But it was both.
2: I'm I'm going with a uh, quite yeah a bit odd
1: bit odd. He was not the sort of man to leave his lettuce unattended.
2: He was known for it. He was known for guarding it jealously with his life.
1: (laughs) Carried it around preciously. All times.
2: Handcuffed to his wrist was the bag, (laughs) usually.
1: (laughs) He'd put lipstick on it. But this is one of the signs, as strange as it is, that a man leaves a bag of lettuce with a grocer and doesn't come back for it. You might just go, okay, it's just (laughs) a (laughs) lettuce.
2: just a lettuce. Leave the lettuce alone. It's just a
1: lettuce. Leave the lettuce alone. It's one of the signs that something is amiss. Dr. Bartman is not the sort of man who leaves stuff around. He is very punctual. He returns when he says he's going to come back and pick something up or he's going to see someone. He is there on time. This is cause for concern because people go, okay, why isn't he back? I'm not going to lie to you, Nick, that's the last we see of the lettuce. Oh, uh, yeah,
2: okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I told you it was the most tenuous of the connections, but the <laughs> lettuce figures highly. You can't leave the lettuce out of the well, story, really. indeed not, really. absolutely. The alarm is raised when Parkman does not show up the next morning to get the lettuce, and indeed...
2: People are taking up, putting a lot of... <laughs> a lot of- Faith in this lettuce, or so a lot of a lot of emphasis <laughs> on this lettuce.
1: Well, there's no mobile phones, there's no internet or anything. The guy's like, he needs his lettuce. Surely, Lettuce oh, is he's expensive. F- he's forgotten
2: his. No, it's not. Not even then was it expensive. He's going. He's forgotten his lettuce. He's I a know. I've man. got. I've got a delivery of all this butter and sugar to the house. Off put the lettuce on the delivery.
1: He may well have done that, but when he goes round to the house, the family, like, we have not seen him all night. He hasn't been home.
2: And the lettuce is all gone. (laughs) The
1: (laughs) The grocer's eating it. Oh, no.
2: Mm, The the lettuce store is empty.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We were to have that for our morning lettuce breakfast. What will little Timmy eat now, (laughs) apart from sugar and butter? The lettuce was the only vegetable we had to keep us alive. No, the the alarm is raised because the lettuce and the fact that the family are screaming, people piece it together. Hmm, this man must be missing. No, Dr. Partman is missing. He has not come home. He has not picked up his deliveries. He has not returned. He's not made any of his appointments. Everyone is now worried. And this isn't just anyone. If they hadn't been home, the police might go, Okay, give it 24 hours. Mm. No, 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 no. no. It's George Partman. This is a man, the Boston elite. This is a
2: man of importance.
1: The last time during the initial investigations it's discovered that Dr. George Partman was seen was the day before. He was walking up the steps to Harvard Medical School wearing his signature dark suit, his purple satin waistcoat. Nice. And his trademark stovepipe hat. (laughs) And a top hat on top of it. With a lettuce in it. (laughs) Lift
2: it up and there's a lettuce underneath. (laughs) Good day to you, sir.
1: (laughs) Good day to you, sir. Good letters to you, sir. But after that, no sign of him. Now the authorities leap into action. All the letters is taken from the city. (laughs) The river is dragged. People are questioned. This is a big deal. What could possibly happen to him? Days pass soon. A $3,000 reward is offered for finding him alive. Uh Information on his whereabouts if he's alive. About 28,000 posters and flyers (laughs) are posted all over the city. Later, the family even offer $1,000 if anyone finds his body. They're getting so worried about this. The press are, of course, full of rumours and speculations. The first thing they jump on is obviously it's the fault of the Irish. Oh, of course. Yep, yep. Always blame
2: us. Yeah, I Irish agree.
1: immigrants. Oh, they did it. It's always the immigrants. That's it. Yeah, they've robbed him and thrown him into the river. That's the only possible explanation. Case closed. Move on. Stole his lettuce. <laughs> we love a bit of lettuce, to Yeah, fair. absolutely. Summer salad. Mm, mm, mm.
2: Caught up with him down the allotments, they did.
1: (laughs) The vast allotments of (laughs) Boston.
2: (laughs) He's actually now a scarecrow, overlooking the lettuce.
1: It's quite dark. I quite like it. (laughs) (laughs) At Harvard Medical School, the police began to question anyone who was on the premises at the time that Doc McPartland had disappeared. He was last seen there, so people must have seen him on site. Who knows? Whatever has befallen him has it happened at Harvard Medical School they questioned the janitor Ephraim Littlefield. Littlefield was a hard-working man. He had been working at Harvard for many, many years and his job was to clean up. He was also charged to clean the labs, the doctor's rooms. He was also responsible for setting up their samples, getting their labs and their lecture halls ready for the day. He would light the fires. He would have free access around the entire building because that was his job. He had the run at the place. He was very well known and, and liked by the doctors on campus. He lived on campus as well. He lived in the basement with his wife and children. I don't know what kind of accommodation they had down there. Sounds a bit sad. But Just in a box. Yes. Later on, his family come to stay for Thanksgiving. And I can't imagine it was a happy I'm... Thanksgiving down there. <laughs>
2: no, it, was, it was definitely the janitor. He did. It.
1: Well, he is known, as I said, by the doctors on campus. Very well known. They all know him (laughs) in the medical school. For Littlefield was known quietly to have another source of income. Mm. He assisted in supplying lettuces
2: (laughs) from his little field (laughs) that he had out the back.
1: Even better cadavers
2: yes I, know. I knew you were going to say that
1: <laughs> did you i did <laughs> the dead lettuce the dead lettuce <laughs> cadavers for dissection mm. we are in that hallowed time of anatomical study being at its peak fresh bodies to cut up they were in demand this being boston though is actually surprisingly hard to get dead bodies in boston well it's hard to get dead bodies anywhere. yeah, anywhere
2: there, yeah there's...
1: but very very predominantly catholic City. Mm. Not many people want to give up their loved ones for study. So they, there is actually a whole system in Boston, and it ends up in a prosecution about a year before this case happens of people shipping in or smuggling in <laughs> dead bodies from New York. Nice. But Littlefield has a line in this. He is able to supply dead bodies for an extra $25 a piece. Pretty Bargain. Tasty. Yeah. Where they come from, we don't know. No, no, no questions questions, asked. questions. No questions asked whatsoever. So it's perhaps no surprise that after nearly a week since. Parkman's disappearance. The police decide they need to question Littlefield, and he hasn't um,
2: appeared on the slab at some point.
1: No, <laughs> no, so- they they have gone through. And search the whole <laughs> of the medical school, and you, you say that, and it's a good point. There is an area where the dead bodies and the mm. bits are discarded.
2: There must be furnaces or something to get rid of the absolutely yeah, or the off the offcuts. Or the, <laughs> the,
1: <laughs> the off, <laughs> it's not a butchery. I can't stress that. All the bits which have enough. been
2: have been used, and they have no longer usable.
1: No, there is a furnace, but there is a disposal area. Mm. There is a whole area where the bodies are kept, and the bits are disposed of. And yes, Littlefield has access to Mm. that. So they are going to be asking him questions. Mm, Yes, okay, you have access to dead bodies. And (laughs) you're probably not going to kill the most prominent person in Boston to then sell as a cadaver. But, you know, maybe.
2: Also killing someone who's giving you cash.
1: Well, he wasn't giving them cash the doctors within the medical school oh, remember, so yes, doctor, yes, 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 remember okay. dr parkman while he's a doctor he's a donor of the school yes 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 he goes there to visit people he is not working there so the police um they search littlefield's quarters his wife and children living there but they find nothing now littlefield is obviously nervous about mm. being questioned by the police he's got a nice thing going behind the scenes but he's going to be in the firing line and he's by no means stupid It would be wrong to assume that this is just a lowly worker, as the press will later say. and The press are already murmuring about now. Oh, the janitor. Yes, he must be the person to look at. If the police are going to look at him to blame for this disappearance, Littlefield must try to solve the case himself.
2: Oh, Mm -hmm. Detective Littlefield.
1: Oh, yes. Our dear old janitor has noticed someone behaving very oddly around the medical school.
2: Mm -hmm. John
1: Webster who was a geology and chemistry lecturer at Harvard. And he was a graduate of the school himself. He also studied in London, practiced medicine. He had published a book. He would eventually become a lecturer at Harvard. He was known to be a decent lecturer, well-liked, not terribly exciting in his field. He was known to be very sort of dull, vanilla, mm. but he loved using pyrotechnics in his lectures. Who doesn't? A few fireworks, setting those off and explosions. He was warned by the equivalent of the dean of, of Harvard to go, Can you please not do that anymore? It's very dangerous. But he set off fireworks and then would just sort of stand there and be very boring everywhere around the rest of the lecture. So, okay. So, okay. so yeah, he wasn't the first lecturer that all the students wanted to attend. <laughs> this is a weird little side note, actually, about John Webster that the poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow who was a famous poet he happened to be a neighbour of Webster and he wrote that one time he was hosting a dinner party webster was hosting a dinner party for friends and during that evening the host amazed his guests by lowering the lights fitting a noose around his own neck and lolling his head forward tongue protruding over a bowl of blazing chemicals to give a ghastly imitation of a man being hanged
2: oh that sounds jolly (laughs) (laughs) what a what a fun dinner party that would have been
1: yes delightful (laughs) other than those sorts of displays terribly dull terribly dull But John Webster's career was not as glittering as it sounds. While he had come from a good family and had been spoiled as a child by his mother, he was not at all wealthy at this stage of his life. Too many fireworks. Too many, (laughs) yes. Spending so much money on fireworks. He was expected to live well and he enjoyed living well at harvard you have to dress in the finest of clothes you have to attend parties the best books and cognac at your elbow all times but the family has lost a lot of their money over the years and slowly the legacy that he had hoped that would support him is soon gone and all he has is his lecturer's salary yeah lecturer's salary anywhere else fine that's a salary at harvard no one needs a (laughs) legacy to back you up it's not enough to live on and also to live the life of a Harvard elite. Sure enough, rumours are starting to circulate that Webster had amassed a few debts around town. And janitor Littlefield has seen Webster behaving rather strangely in the days that directly followed Parkman's disappearance. He had seen Webster at first carrying a bundle around. Not a huge bundle a small bundle and Webster very determinedly saying to Littlefield that he needed a fire he needed a fire in his laboratory he has a furnace in there, a small furnace certainly to heat the place. A few days after that Webster had bumped into Littlefield and had asked him very directly if he'd seen a Parkman at the medical school. Everyone had said that they'd seen Parkman on the steps but had he seen him anywhere else? Had he seen him in the corridors? And had he seen him in (laughs) Webster's office? Or in my furnace? (laughs) Have you seen him anywhere near that or anywhere near this general area? Littlefield's like No. (laughs) And Webster says, Oh, good, because I had just paid back $483 of a debt that I owed to Parkland and he was right on his way to have that recorded by the city clerk. So he definitely did that. Goodbye. (laughs) nice words to that effect webster says this to littlefield he also goes to parkman's family in the days following his Mm. disappearance to say about this debt that he had totally paid off with parkman and says yep i just yeah he definitely was gonna go and get that signed off so maybe something happened while he was getting that declared walks out doesn't ask about the search or if he's actually been found or anything (laughs) hope he's fine (laughs) Webster has also been asking Littlefield about the dissecting vault in the medical school. How would one access that? What would be the lighting in there? But that area has been searched. After that, Webster chances upon the janitor again and tells him he's bought him a Thanksgiving turkey to thank him for all of his help he's been giving him. Okay. Yes, Littlefield's like okay, and said yes. You can pick up your turkey at that shop. That's thank you so much for helping me. At that
2: shop, very very far away over there. <laughs>
1: So Littlefield, knowing that he's got the authorities breathing down his neck and he is going to be labelled as a suspect, Mm. being but a lowly janitor in this school of elitists, he decides that he needs to do a little investigating. So just before the Thanksgiving holiday where fewer people are around, he tries to get access one day to Webster's laboratory. He would normally go in there and set up and clean up and tend to the fires. He cannot get in there all day. Webster's there for part of the day. He later leaves. He cannot get into the laboratory. It is locked. And that is not heard of Mm -hmm. in the school. You always have access to it. He would have access to it. He goes there, can't get in. He feels the wall is uncommonly hot. It is burning hot to the point where he's like, okay, something is wrong. Something's very, very wrong in there. Something is on fire. (laughs) Not right. He manages to break into the room using his tools. He gets into the office. He finds that the cause of the heat on the wall has been the furnace that has been lit to a ridiculously high temperature, but has then been put out really, really, Uh really high. All the kindling has gone. Lots of water buckets have also disappeared. So something has gone on with the furnace there. And he sees spots of water around the place, but he can't find anything. All it is, is that the furnace has been very hot, Uh but someone is missing. So, what he thinks, the authorities have searched all the laboratories. They have searched every inch of the school. But there's one area that they haven't checked. The toilet.
2: Okay.
1: The private toilet of John Webster's laboratory. This privy, which is basically a long drop, mm. has a wall and a sort of void area behind it. Because it drops partially onto the river outside to obviously clear away the waste but he knows that there is a void area behind it he has rudimentary tools being a janitor he doesn't actually have a lot more (laughs) he has a chisel and a hatchet he has a hammer that he gives to his wife and goes bang on the wall if anyone comes (laughs) looking and he spends the best part of a day split over two days chiseling away at this wall Wow! chiseling away to try and get into the void of this area eventually he punches a hole in the wall He gets his lantern, cranes his head inside, awful smells, very, very dark, and he sees a mound of flesh and Uh. bones. So seeing that, instantly goes and fetches another professor. Well, yes, I suppose so. Good man. Don't investigate any further. Goes to a professor who lives nearby in a petrified state, absolutely Mm. terrified. Gets a professor. They call the police. Everyone descends upon Webster's office, and they search this space behind the wall. They pull out a pelvis, a thigh bone, God and a partial lower leg Meh. the remains of a man yeah no head no identifying features but someone's missing so yeah
2: someone's missing and there's bits of a person behind the loo
1: yes not normal <laughs> they do ask the question the police to the doctors and the janitors going is this where you'd normally dispose of bodies <laughs> just well gotta
2: make sure i to cross everything everything off the list no. No, no, it's no not. No. no it's not usual.
1: No, we have an area for that. And this is not normally what you would you wouldn't put it in a void and then lock it up and then, then lock it up. It up. <laughs> uh no, this is not what we do. That would be weird. So, words need to be had with Webster mm. clearly. Yeah. The police bring Webster in for questioning. It's slightly elaborate as Webster technically lives in Cambridge. This is in Boston. Um, and so they have to kind of get him in the car and go, oh no, can you just come in and help us with some stuff? And until they're across the lines and buzz, oh yeah, we're arresting <laughs> you. you now. <laughs> <laughs> when Webster is brought in, he pretty much goes off his trolley. Okay. Uh, for, he's indignant like nothing to do with me i don't know what you're talking about this is lies this is awful that janitor that janitor he's him. the one responsible there are some reports that he says something like oh my god i'm a villain i'm a villain uh, they're not corroborated mm. what he does do next is that when he's left alone in his cell he seems to start become very ill limbs all tense up he's can't stand up at one minute and then he's sort of rigid it seems like he's almost on the verge of convulsions and everyone's like, okay, you're, you're overdoing the grief a little bit too much here, mate. Okay. Would later transpire he's taken strychnine.
2: Oh, that'll do it.
1: Mm-hmm. That's not,
2: not at all a guilty conscience there.
1: Yes. <laughs> While taken into custody, he's like, that's fine. I will take my strychnine. Uh, didn't actually take enough. <laughs> so all he did was make himself a bit sick oh and very suspicious very very suspicious indeed yeah (laughs) probably
2: not the best plan
1: so after this strychnine incident where he's no good to anyone they actually take him to view the remains and he's just like (laughs) (laughs) like hmm he doesn't seem to be helpful right now but he still doesn't confess anything Mm. he goes absolutely stump the police investigate the rest of his rooms searching the lab the authorities find traces of acid, fragments of bone around the room. And eventually, eventually, underneath a lot of his samples, they find a trunk that contains a human torso. Uh. And inside that human torso is stuffed another human thigh. Oh, God. So he's made good use of the space.
2: Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Now, with all of these chunks of human mm. lying around, they still don't have a head.
2: No, no.
1: So how can they tell that this is Dr. Parkman? It's a body.
2: Yeah, it's a body.
1: Mm. Yeah, in a place where they study anatomy. Well,
2: this is yeah, this is very true, but not usually in trunks or behind the walls. Not
1: usually hidden around your lab. No, indeed. No, the means to identify these remains eventually come by two methods. One is that Dr. Partman's wife identifies a birthmark on his back, and also his genitals.
2: Right. Yeah, well, she will be the one to know what they look like.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, that's definitely him. That's definitely him. Yeah, The police would also find remains of teeth in the furnace. And this oh, is one of the yeah. first ever cases where dental records are used to identify a victim. Now, it's not actual teeth. They turn out to be fragments of dentures. Oh, right. But Dr. Partman, being so fancy and wealthy, had a very, very special set of dentures made that could under And so these remains are undeniably yep. his... And Dentist would, had the blueprints. <laughs> they had them all mapped out. An expert is later able yeah. to prove this in the press. The janitor is still being labelled as the killer. Littlefield. Yeah. He because the Bostonians don't want to believe that Webster, poor as he might be, they don't actually know it's, that. No,
2: well, he's still a, he's still a, he works at Harvard. He's still a fancy doctor, he's still a teacher. Someone doesn't do such things.
1: Of course not. It must be the commoner. They comment that Littlefield must is known to be a bad man. <laughs> And that he only uncovered the body to claim the reward money, the $3,000. That's the only reason that he's gotten involved in any of this. Mm. So, right. So you kill someone and uncover the body later on and then blame someone else just to get the reward money. That's a bit weird. It's a cunning plan, though. The Webster is still in jail and still denying he had anything to do with the incident. And he is very happy also to point the finger at Littlefield as well, saying he must have done it. He has access to the lab. What will later emerge is that he has a close relative go in to the crime scene and loosen a door panel oh Once he knows it's done, he tells his lawyers, you know, you should really check out that door in my lab because maybe that's how Littlefield got in and planted all this evidence. So as was covered in in one of the best books about this case, he's tampering with evidence. Mm. He's tampering with the crime scene to try and cast blame on this janitor who's done nothing if anything has 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 rumbled him, (laughs) has solved the case. So the trial would go ahead in March 1850. And the cream of the crop of the legal profession are there as well as reporters from all over the world. The jury are allowed to visit the crime scene and the defence argues that the body is not Parkman's. You can't tell us that it's Parkman's. We don't know. You can't prove that it is. But the prosecution bring forth expert after expert to confirm how the corpse had been dissected, to confirm that the false teeth in the furnace had been parkman's Mm -hmm. they have an expert who comes in and makes a mold of his head and makes a mold of various things and go these are very much his teeth these are his dentures (laughs) littlefield gave his story on the stand and was calm and unflappable in the face of accusations that he was after the reward money and then the backstory of john webster
2: emerges
0: Mm -hmm. and that may be time for another beverage oh good You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: So, Nick, we have our red hooks. We do. Thank you very much. Let us continue with the story. Yes. So it transpires that Dr. Parkman and his brother-in-law had both given John Webster a loan. Mm. A loan of quite substantial amounts of money over the years and Webster had used the same guarantee method for (laughs) both of these loans which is basically fraud.
2: Yeah, yeah, you can't be doing that.
1: He had been lying his way through high society webster was desperate to keep up appearances keep up with a harvard lifestyle trying to be the fancy elite professor he was expected to be but he was robbing peter to pay paul in order to do this he didn't have the means and now things were spiraling it would turn out that he had borrowed four hundred dollars from dr partman in 1842 and having not paid it back dr partman presented him with a note that said Mm -hmm. okay this is now amassed to 2432 dollars ouch Yeah, That's a lot of interest. (laughs) The man is not rich just by accident. Mm. He knows how to collect his debts and his rents. Webster had ended up borrowing $1,200 in 1848 from Parkman's brother-in-law cool. but it only takes a matter of time before Parkman and brother-in-law go on a nice walk together and go oh, oh yeah a chap owes me money oh really a chap owes me money Is what 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 <laughs> What? guarantee did he use for you that's the same guarantee he used for me apparently when they're on a walk they both bump into Webster and Webster's like uh, oh, oh shit. <laughs> shit 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 Parkman had chased Webster for the repayment and eventually had agreed to meet Webster at his lab at the medical school on the 23rd of November in the afternoon. So all of this is laid out that Webster was in debt to Parkman. A body has been found cut up in Webster's lab. It's clearly Parkman's as the prosecution would have Mm. it laid out, defense are still going, no, I I don't believe it is, I don't believe it is. This is from an article in uh, Forbes as well, Forbes magazine. Before the jury deliberated, the judge, Chief Justice of the Massachusetts Supreme Court, Lemuel Shaw, gave an unprecedented instruction to the jury. The standard in murder cases in the mid-19th century was absolute certainty of guilt. Under this burden, the prosecution would have had to prove conclusively that the body was Parkman's and that Webster had killed him and that he had done so on purpose. Judge Shaw, though, instructed the jury that they only needed to find beyond a reasonable doubt that the body was Parkman's. Whilst this phrasing has become standard today and was a part of European law for centuries, it wouldn't be until the 1880 that the US Supreme Court would discuss and define the term reasonable doubt. The judge says to them, just prove that it's, if you're certain that it's Parkman's body, Mm. then he's guilty. (sighs)
0: So you have
1: a body, and it's a little bit of a flip on some of the other cases we have. You can have a body, but you haven't proven that I've killed him. Yeah, in mm-hmm. this case, they're going, I think I think it's yeah, pretty cut pretty and dried. Clear, pretty clear. The jury take him at his word. Mm. They return a guilty verdict after just three hours. Yeah. On the 1st of April.
2: Well, the judge has told them,
1: he's guilty, hang him up. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> they go in, have some sandwiches, yeah. few teas, a few red hooks. <laughs> Webster is sentenced to death. Now, while appeals were lodged and the press was divided in June 1850, Webster wrote his confession.
2: Ah, there we go.
1: Now, according to his story, he admitted that Parkman had arrived in his lab that day demanding payments for the massive debts owed. And Webster claimed Parkman was shouting and flailing all over the place. He claimed Parkman had threatened to destroy his career if he didn't pay. He would expose him as a fraud. He would rob him of his job. He owed this money. He was going to tear him down if he didn't pay. Webster, in a rage, picked up... A stick of wood and struck Parkman in the head with, and I quote, all the force that passion could give it. The sudden blow knocked Parkman down and Mm. he did not get up again. Webster would say that he tried to revive him. But when he realized that this single blow had indeed killed Parkman, he decided not to go to the police and just hide the body instead. Go to the place.
2: Go to the place. Yeah. This has
1: happened. Manslaughter. Now it looks like murder. Yeah. So cutting it up, burning pieces, concealing it wherever he could in his office, this is fine. Mm. This is absolutely fine. Well, the law doesn't think that way. No. Good. There would be other testimonies about the body and saying it had been stabbed and people thought it had been stabbed in places. They were never really sure, Mm. but this was Webster's confession, that it was just a simple argument that had gone wrong, but he covered it up instead of admitting it. So at
2: that point, he's got no reason to lie, has he? Mm. Really?
1: He's going to hang. He's
2: going to he's going to hang either way. So he must tell the truth.
1: And indeed, he was <laughs> hanged on the thirtieth of April, eighteen fifty. And apparently, Ephraim Littlefield, who was so wrongly maligned mm-hmm. in the press, was indeed given the three thousand dollar award uh-huh. for leading to the discovery. Oh, good I mean, he that's fair enough. Took the money. He retired, traumatized. I feel. Yeah. <laughs> A nice little end script to this. When Charles Dickens visited Boston <laughs> in 1867, among his first requests was to see the room that Parkman had been murdered in. Oh God! That is the story of murder at Harvard, Doctor Parkman. Very good. And John Webster. John
2: Webster. Da-da-da. Oh, I know. I like dear old Littlefield. Littlefield. He's the, Littlefield. He's he's the hero in this one.
1: I bloody love that man.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> yep. He's, he's out there going. No, I'm not going to be found guilty. I'm going to investigate. I'm going to figure this out myself. <laughs> and he
1: does it he does there's a little bit of while i was delving into the research as much as i could and and as you can imagine you can only delve so far and it takes a very long time and there's great coverage of this case and there's some great sources that i will mention in the episode notes of this some brilliant books that have been written there's still a little bit of a pause for me of i don't think littlefield did it i'm convinced that john webster did do it but what was he hiding that he got? In, he broke in and that he knew where the body was in that toilet. I think he knew more than he let on, or maybe he was maybe Littlefield was blackmailing him, or maybe he helped him. And I don't know. But also, if you if you're the, you're the
2: janitor, you, you're going to know all the little sort of nooks mm. and crannies and things. I mean, he's probably been called up to clean or sort of blockages out in that loo or something like that, yeah. and, and do all this sort of thing. So he knows all those places where the rich people are not going to. Pay two minds about because yeah. so perhaps he just knew there was a void. He just knew there was a void there. He just yeah thought, well, oh, that's the, that's a good there's a good hiding place.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm sure he was hauled across the coals at the yeah. time, and everyone was like, well, what were you doing in there, and why were you looking around? He was like, well, because there's a bloody missing man, and yeah. you're going to pin this on you're going to me. blame me for this. You're going to pin this on me, so I better bloody find him. Yeah,
2: I'll do your job for you. So, so. wherever
1: he knew, <laughs> and again, you know, whether Littlefield was a shady character beforehand, you know, he knew where to get a body or two. Well, Well, that's
2: true. That's very fair.
1: Maybe he knew more secrets around Harvard Medical School. Oh, I'm sure, absolutely. To his advantage. Yeah. But still, it it got justice for Dr. Bartman. The the, the rich elitist. Oh, the poor, rich white (laughs) men will never seek justice. But yeah, didn't deserve to die. But Webster. Oh, yeah, that was. Mm. Troubled man. Yes. Well,
2: just trying to keep up and just. Was he not. Mm. Yeah, just living above his means.
1: Yes, there we are at the Murder at University. Nice. The oldie timey kind. The oldy timey kind. The oldie timey kind, where you look up stuff like, oh, murder at university. Oh, God, that's awful. Yeah. No, no, no. no there must, I don't
2: want to must read that have that now. been like some at uh, Oxford and Cambridge. of.
1: Well, so we'll have to go and
2: we'll have to investigate some of those.
1: Oh, I'm sure there were. There are lots of yeah. weird stories Absolutely. because Oxford and Cambridge are so ancient. And uh, yes, road trip, I'm sure. People, do you know some university stories <laughs> of, of oldie weirdy deaths and yeah. secret societies? <laughs> all that sort of thing. There's a reason that Secret History is such a popular book, even though I hated it. <laughs> well what do you think people what do you think of the story of dr parkman and john webster and ephraim littlefield Mm. do you think there's more to this story do you think littlefield really did it and he was a master of pinning crimes on other people (laughs) and making them confess at the last (laughs) yeah absolutely you never know you You never never know. know maybe there was some other weird shit going on there you know there was there were all sorts of dealings about the dead bodies yeah there was a system happening there There that no one wanted to talk about amongst the elite
2: of course no one wants to talk about it Mm. no one talks about such grubby little things
1: no 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 they wouldn't talk about it at Oxford or Cambridge either absolutely maybe at Edinburgh (laughs) (laughs) yes tell us what you think have you been to Harvard do know the story if you've been to Harvard well done you my dad went to Harvard for nine months I visited Harvard well done, you. My God, you intelligent.
2: Didn't study there, but I went as a tourist.
1: Did you stand there for a bit going, I could have Go, oh, I'm so clever. No. <laughs> Destroying fivers around.
2: Because I was like 15 at the time.
1: So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah. Share more ideas of stories or local stories from where you are. Local university folklore and tales. <laughs> oh, we love a little bit of studious murder. Jump on the comments of wherever you listen to this episode and share your thoughts, your theories, and your ideas. But you know what? I think it's worth you mixing up an iceberg
2: well you you say that I mean there's a lot there's a lot to it, and it's got stuff that you're not gonna have in the cupboard, so
1: okay, you've taught me out of it, yeah, I
2: mean uh, yeah, underberg it's um it's not something that everyone's gonna have, not mm. something that anyone's gonna have, I imagine unless you're uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, don't buy some especially
1: I mean, yeah, you might have changed my mind there because a slushy drink is fun,
2: yeah. The I'm ingredients
1: s- in this, I I don't think I would have noticed that they weren't in there. Yeah,
2: they're not commonplace things. So I'm going to say, what what is your what is what is your favourite blitzed icy drink? Ooh. I mean, you have got the classic margarita, of course, but what else is there? Ooh, let like me the know. Yeah, cause we we say we don't do the the blended drinks. So, and we're coming into yet another heat wave. Apparently,
1: you know what? In my day, I've done a few slushy drinks with booze in them, and they are delicious. So we have
2: to, yep. Yeah, so let us know your blended drink of choice.
1: The slushy drinks, not necessarily high art cocktail i don't know i think they can be i think they can be well that's our challenge we will yeah. find one that is absolutely optimum
2: well so you just put in a bottle of ochre and wkd or something in a blender so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah let's try and not do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude
1: remember to join us on patreon if you want to hear more from the poisonous cabinet every single week as well as our extra special new monthly episode the case files of pc morris and please leave us a review on apple itunes if you haven't already it's really important to help grow the podcast thanks for listening guys we have been the people inside the poisoners cabinet we will see you next week and remember your loved ones are trying to kill you Bye.